if there's any team that's going to beat Stanford, I think it's the Ducks. And I just, to run the table on the conference is just insane if they do it. Um, and it's almost I, like, like not actually, but it's funny, like in a, in a comical way, like almost disrespectful. Like you can't just yeah. go through an entire season and not lose in the conference. Like It's like a you, glitch in the simulation. Yeah, you yeah. can't do that. The ones and the zeros don't match up <laughs> like that. Welcome back to another episode of Emerald Sports here, as always, with my co-host Carlos Pimentel and our good friend Shane Hoffman for another episode. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. How about you, Shane? Pretty good. Busy. Um, as the term has worn on, Oregon's had bigger and bigger games, and so it's been a, been a lot to handle for sure, but there's also a lot to talk about. Definitely. Yeah, no point. Uh you know, avoiding it any longer, right? Let's get into it. <laughs> uh, here we are with two games left in the regular season. The two highly anticipated Cal games have come and gone, with the Ducks splitting the homestand one to one. They started off with a big upset win over UCLA with a score of 68 to 63, and then lost a heartbreaker to USC 70 to 69 with a three from Drew Pre- uh, Peterson there at the end of the game that sealed the deal. Uh, it goes without saying that this loss comes at a really bad time with the Ducks already being on the tournament bubble heading into these games. Shane, I'll get started with you. Uh, Is there any chance the Ducks get a tournament bid with things as they are right now? No doubt. I mean, this team, I can't figure them out. I mean, there's, there's, there's a 100% chance that they can make the, the, sorry, there's a 100% chance that they're still fighting rather, I should say. Um, Nothing would surprise me at this point with this team. Um, They, they look so good in that UCLA win, and then they come out and they don't lay an egg against USC, but they don't execute down the stretch, despite you know Matt Knight being as lively as he's been all year, um, and really in a few years because of COVID, right? I just I don't know how to feel about this team. I, I thought I was getting a, a good feel for them, you know, a week or two ago. Now it's like you know they have Washington and Washington State left, and games you should win but that the whole deal this season has been they're not winning those games and then you know if they go and they win the Pac-12 tournament you know I wouldn't be shocked but I'm, I'm just curious you know maybe go to you Carlos I, I don't know did, did they change your opinion at all this last weekend because it seems like they did kind of what they've been doing all season right yeah yeah and that's something that we kind of been talking about throughout the episodes is that they drop the games that they need to win but then the games that they or excuse me, they drop games that they, um, sh- yeah, so that they should be winning. And then the games that are kind of toss up is when they really play at their best. So they kind of play, it seems like that they play to the potential of the other teams, like the teams that they're playing, they, you know, they kind of play it in a style that makes me think like, where, where is their level of consistency? And it's something that we've been talking about too. And it's like the UCLA game they played when we've been talking about like the big stepping up, the bigs really stepped up, especially Kepnong came and played really well. But then the USC game is like execution. Where do you, where do you go out there? And you're at the, you're on your uh, home court and you got a lot of fans in there. Um, my opinion kind of stays the same that it's been throughout the season is that, you know, it's a toss up each time you go in and that's not an opinion. That's not a feeling I kind of want going into games is not knowing where the game is going to go or where it's going to end. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Carlos. I know, Shane, when we had you on a few weeks ago and we were predicting how this stretch would play out, I think you said they'd go one and two in this three-game stretch, Arizona, UCLA, USC. Uh, and, I mean, we anticipated them to take care of business against this, you know, Cal, Arizona State, and they didn't. They dropped those games, which they needed to win. Uh, so now you're seeing how deep a hole they're in because when you lose, you know, gimmies like that and then you're in these playing these ranked teams and lose i mean that hurts for the resume but what you said about you know the bigs i thought they played great against ucla kept especially he had like three blocks in what seemed like two minutes mm. and then they go to usc and that just goes away yeah. you know will richardson can't get a bucket they're right back to their iso ball not really moving it around dante had some moments but yeah he did i think he, he scored like 12 the points. game though that's the thing exactly yeah uh, they went small at the end which yeah. was interesting. Um, but yeah, they just, they can't seem to close this year, which is really upsetting. Well, it, it opens a whole bunch of questions and it's the same questions we were talking about last time and they haven't been answered yet. It's like, who do you go to down the stretch? <clears throat> Excuse me, what's the best lineup? Right, it's like, I wrote um, I wrote a column, it didn't end up going on the Emerald, it went on the I-5 Corridor, um, which is another website. And I started with, by saying that that Will Richardson possession against Arizona, where he had 10 seconds and um, they don't drop a play, they go ice. If he gets a switch, which is, you know, you'd think would be favorable against a good defensive big man, but still a big man. And he hesitates on the three and he gets blocked. And I wrote that that might have tied a bow on the season. And it would be a very fitting one, right? Because you have this go-to guy in Will Richardson who has had his moments but is super up and down where he'll go three games at a time with like barely shooting or like, you know, missing everything. He doesn't really have the same kind of killer instinct that a Pritchard had. Um, and, and, and you can't really, you, you saw it against um, UCLA and USC. They don't know which of the guards is the best to go to down the stretch. And it's fine to have multiple guards if they're all killers. Like you saw with Baylor last year where they had Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and even Macy Oteague. Guys that are NBA dudes, so it's different. But with this team, like I don't know who you go to and opens this whole other question of like the offense where you see it against USC. Jacob Young has this ridiculous three, then Garrier, and poor one out for Garrier, who hit some of the biggest shots of his career to no avail oh, yeah. in these losses um, from three. But then, you know, you have this beautiful play drawn up for Peterson. He he scores, and they have this inbound play, and they don't really have a play. Um, and that's the thing with Altman is he's really good on defense and they really stress player development. But when it comes down to it, um, there's not a lot of player movement off ball and it's a lot of ISO. And you don't have players like um, Peyton Pritchard or Dylan Brooks or Tyler, um, excuse me. Um, Dorsey. Tyler Dorsey, yeah. It it looks different. And that's something that like we, in our in our previous episode that we talked about was that you know, we don't want to question Dana Altman and, you know, what what he's done for the for the program as a whole and just the University of Oregon basketball team. But where is there a level of like accountability that he needs to be held to when it comes to situations like this, when you have high profile scores and an offense that is really just lacking and there is no fluid movement and I would say like no really identity of where their offensive scoring comes from and who they want the offense to run to. Yeah, I don't know if it's... Allman's done great things here. I don't think you can hold him accountable for this, that, because his style has won. But I'm sitting... So I was sitting in the student section for the USC game, and that's the first time I've sat in the student section for three years, essentially. The last time was like 
early sophomore year, maybe, if that. And it was a very different experience because I'm usually in the press box or I'm watching their games on TV. I was way up in the nosebleeds. I got there late. There you go, yeah. right? It's getting vertigo. It's so different when you sit in the press, uh, in the student section rather, because the court is so small. Mm. You forget watching NBA games. Like the college court is so small. And USC's got a biggish team. They got some big guys. It. I didn't know how they even put up 60-some points against USC because the court looked so cramped. They had no player movement. There was no, you know, lanes to get to the... I mean, they 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 scored 69 points. They lose by one, and they have a great run to end that first half. But I didn't know where the offense was coming from. Meanwhile, on the other end, you've got Drew Peterson and Mobley just killing them. And it's just such an interesting kind of just difference to, to you know, uh, philosophical difference in like how the offense is run to, to look at. And I don't know, like they, the, the Ducks score so much in transition and off defense and Eric Williams was great to get on defense and the small ball lineup causes havoc. But I, I just don't know, unless one of these guards turns up, I don't know how they're going to get consistent points anymore. Yeah. Will Richardson just couldn't get a shot in. He went 0 for 8, 0 from 4 from the 3. Uh, but you were talking about where they where their points came from. I think it was, aside from Richardson, a really good team game. I mean, all the starters, with the exception of Richardson, scored in double digits. But Gurrier and Harmon are two guys that I think you've seen steadily improving over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but th- I don't think those are players that you want to rely on completely uh, when you get into these games. So I really don't know. I mean, unless Will comes out of this funk offensively, they're going to be hard-pressed to uh to win these games in the tournament and maybe even come out of Washington with with a 2-0 record there. And I'm glad that you mentioned Quincy because I I actually think he he's developed to a point now in the season that he could potentially be your one or two scoring option because he's shown viable improvements throughout the season and also his biggest games are the games that are that close of being a it's a one score game of us coming out on top. So I think that he's improved enough that and also his style, he, you know, he can shoot the three ball. He like he can go um, he can go into the into the post and back somebody up. And he has kind of a mid range game that is nice. So I would actually like to see if, you know, if they're trying to just whatever, trying new things to see what can work. I wouldn't be upset if Quincy is the the one or two guy that they start running the offensive through because he has shown time and time again that he can actually, he can score and he can be a viable scorer in those, in those big games. Yeah. That's the funny thing is, is like, we're, it's March now and we're having these discussions like, you know, who should start scoring option, yeah. right? Who's the scoring option? Who should have the ball at the end of the game is like, these are things that you usually know by now. And it's funny you mentioned Gary, cause he has vastly improved. I mean, I, you know, lately his three point shooting, especially he's super physical. And that was cool too. Like being as close to him as I was just sitting in the student section, you know, I, I knew his frame was pretty legit NBA kind of frame. Seeing it up close was was impressive. Um, and this is the problem too, because it's like, this is what they expected him to be. And he had such a long transition to get to this player he is now because he had to kind of change styles, more perimeter base. And that goes back to the whole thing. It's like, you've got all these transfers and that's why I don't want to hammer Altman or any of these guys because it's, it's it's that's why it's so hard and that's why it's so unheard of to do what Altman's done and bring all these guys in every year and get them to play on the same page. And you have guys, you know, Will Richardson was, you know, the lead guard last year, but you had four forwards. Mm-hmm. Jacob Young was was really the guy on his team. Um, Harmon played alongside, you know, Austin Reeves, but so it's, it's all these new roles and... I guess maybe that's why we're still sitting here with all these questions. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, just to get more into the USC game, though, I think free throws, which have been a problem this season, killed them. They went 15 for 21 in a game that was decided by one point. And, you know, particularly guys like Eric Williams and Jacob Young, you know, not, I mean, we, we give them praise on the defensive end, but free throws, you need to hit, especially when you get a huge break. I don't think Isaiah Mobley, I mean, how many points did he score in the first half? Maybe like two. Uh, I don't think he, I, I don't even know if he scored in the first half. Yeah, they, they neutralized him completely. But uh, he had damn near 20 in the second. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's an opportunity you need to jump on because we know how these this team closes. So, you know, I think the only way for this team to have sustained success is get a lead early and then just try to keep that going, not rely entirely on your shooting, keep the other team from scoring. Uh, and they were never in that situation in the USC game, which is ultimately, I think, why they couldn't get away with the win. But the UCLA game was great. Yeah, most definitely. And the UCLA game was like one of those games that we kind of touched on that, um, you know, that's where they're playing. They played up to their pro- potential. They played they played lights out, especially defensively. Definitely, yeah. And, and looking, looking forward to like, you know, the two Washington games, those are games now, you know, they obviously you want to win. Um, and the things like they can still they can still make a splash. They can still make a splash in not only the Pac-12 tournament, but I think the national tournament as well. But I think the things that they need to do or that can make that happen are just simple, like uh, simple fixes that we've kind of been talking about and hammering on. And w- one is ball movement. Two is uh, free throws. And I think the uh, those two things are things that are fixable and they can make a team go from questionable to be like a legit contender in in big games. Yeah, I mean, when you have three guards, three upperclassmen guards as your leaders, the fact that free throws is a place that you're struggling, it's not the greatest, right? I mean, they've actually improved, like, especially in that UCLA game, like they hit some good free throws. Um, Dante in the USC game, I want to say he went like four for four, four right? Yeah. Which I was shocked. Um the problem is this team is a actually bad three-point shooting team. They actually are not yeah. a good three-point shooting team. I'm I'm now I'm ready to say that because it's so weird, right? I covered the first game of the season and they shot almost like I want to say, you know, I might be forgetting now, but I want to say it was almost 43s they shot in that first game. Maybe it's less than that. It was it was somewhere in the 30s though. They just chucked threes against Texas Southern. Let me pull it up cuz I'm actually so curious now. Let's see how many it was. They shot 36 threes and they hit 12 of them, which is only 33%. But I was like, oh, okay, this is this is what you're getting up 36 shots. That's yeah. a lot of threes. Yeah. And they won pretty resoundingly. They were good at that next game against SMU, who is actually a tournament team now. It's just funny looking back because they they have guys that can shoot threes, but you look now, it's like when's the last time they had a positive three-point shooting game? It seems like every time I look up, it's one for, you know, 10. Yeah. They started out conference play shooting very well, especially in the UCLA and USC game. I remember episode one, I was like, because, I mean, that's when we started this podcast. I was like, here's Will's stats from, you know, the first few weeks. And then and it was astronomical, the difference in the three-point percentage. And then it just fell off a cliff. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I mean, you're going to get that in college basketball. You know, it's not going to be as consistent, but damn. I mean, it's something, especially when that's the focal point of your offense. And I mean, that's Altman doesn't show any, you know, desire to change anything up schematically. You're you know, go small ball, you have yeah, to shoot. You got to live and die by the three, and they are dying by the three at the moment. And their 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 overall percentages are not 
crazy enough, not that far off from last year. But watching last four year, forwards, yeah, right. Last year though, like it seemed like every shot they were putting up from three was going to go in. Like they seemed like a lethal three point shooting team, and this team seems like they can't buy one. And it's like a three percent difference or something like that, which is crazy part of basketball. But it's a whole different feel. Yeah, and it and it seems like that it's like like you guys said, it's a hill that they kind of want to die on of like the three point of that's that's where we want to get the get the offensive. Um, points from and also it shows in the you know the the iso ball and the lack of ball movement is that the the iso ball it seems like the offense starts out with the idea in mind of let's get a three you know let's 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 kick it in the post if we can't get a post let's let's kick it out and let's get a three up which it hasn't been as successful and i'm glad that you brought up that there's about like a three percent difference because you know if you're looking at stats that isn't that much of a jump but if you're watching the game in real time it definitely feels like that there's a huge difference in offensive um offensive efficiency but looking forward at these two washington games what what are some things that we can potentially see or that you would like to see coming out of those two games that could benefit us going into the pac-12 tournament because these two games can still provide some sort of positive feedback going into those two going into the tournament Yeah, I mean, these are two teams that they've faced before that they've beaten. So, I mean, you got Terrell Brown in Washington, who's a dude. Uh, but, I mean, they played great defensively, so I, I don't think there should be any concern there. Uh, but just to look at the standings, you got Arizona, USC, and UCLA. Those are the first three. Then Oregon, and then Colorado is a game back. So, you know, I mean, I think these are their games that you have to win. Have to. These are must-win games. Uh, they're both are on the road and this team has had their struggles on the road. I know they beat both Cal teams, but then they went to Arizona state and lost by almost 30 points, Arizona state being, you know, one of the worst teams in the PAC 12. So I think if you just, I mean, we saw how the women's finished. I don't want to jump around too much, but they went out on a great note playing good team basketball. And I think that's what you need from, to see from these games, a little better shooting uh, hopefully a game from Will Richardson to get his confidence back up. And then you go into the tournament with some momentum. Uh, and then I think hopefully maybe if you see UCLA drop a game, maybe they get like the bye week in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it's not a bye week in basketball. I don't know. The break though. Uh, and then get ready to go against whoever, whatever seed you face, probably like a, probably an Arizona team or maybe like Cal. <laughs> we'll have to see how the tournament shapes up. But I don't know, Shane, what do you think? It's just all momentum at this at this point of the year, right? I mean, if they can just string together two games here of like average to good three point shooting, that would make me feel a lot better. If Will Richardson can get his feet under him, right? If we can get some sort of hierarchy of who should have the ball down the stretch, because they've all had their moments, right? They've all had a game where they were the dude, the three guards I'm talking about, Harmon, right. um, Richardson, and and uh, Young. They've all had their their game where they totally eviscerated some middling team or even had good moments against these um, LA schools, you would love to see just blowouts. I mean, Washington State and Washington are not as bad as people, I think, realize. They're, I mean, they're, it goes, you know, Oregon is the four team, fourth uh, seed right now, I guess, in the Pac-12, and that's Colorado one game behind, half a game behind, actually. And then right behind them is Washington State and Washington, who have shitty overall records but are about 500, 500 in Pac-12. So... They're not going to be easy games, um, but it's just games you you want one of these questions at least to be answered. What's their go-to lineup? Who's got the ball in their hands? 
Is there a play they can go to? Like you're talking about Garrier, like, and I think Young actually, I'd like to see Young get the ball more at the end of games. Um, is there like a Garrier Young pick and roll you can go to? It, I will say one thing I've liked that they've been doing recently. This is a little off topic. Is they've been putting Eric Williams on the baseline and letting him run corner to corner, and so he's shot a lot of corner threes. But what you're seeing now, and you've seen it, you saw it in both the last two games, was he's running and he's catching oops now. In that small lineup, he's taking the dunker spot. I mean, USC, had, yeah, yeah, it happened in USC, it was but, huge. It, yeah, but it also they they iced the game with one against um, UCLA right. as well. So that's something I've been looking at because he's been a good three point shooter. He's he's tailed off a little bit. He's had his moments, like against USC, he was actually very good, and he's so good on defense. You want to have him out there, but you're giving him a little bit more to do because he's handling the ball a little bit less. I liked having him in that dunker spot, especially if Gary's going to hit three. So I think. Again, I think it's got to be the small ball, but you got to find some sort of go-to offense down the stretch. I love what you said about the Jacob Young-Gurrier pick and roll. That's something I've been calling for because Jacob Young is great at the elbow once you get him into that kind of that little zone. So, I mean, I'm all for that. Get him some open looks. I think he'll he's been a tough, tough finisher this year too. Oh yeah, he's had a lot of ridiculous finishes at the rim. Um, continue, Hill. No, Carlos, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I, I was. I would like to add on to that. His his scoring in the paint is what it, what has impressed me the most is that he seems to be relentless when it gets down to when he gets in the paint is that he seems how to find the bottom of the net when he gets inside of there. So I would like to see, you know, the offense kind of run through him more and kind of, you know, maybe that's something that we could, you know, that I would like to touch on and, you know, potentially think about is that, you know, him being so aggressive and being able to attack the the pain as much, that's something that, give, you know, it attracts defenses and it gives Will Richardson the op- option if he wants to be a three-point shooter. That's how you can create an offensive scheme out of yeah. it is setting up your three-point shooters in a position to where they can actually shoot an open and a higher percentage three. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see, you know, the offense kind of run through him more. And Eric Williams being, you know, if they are going to turn into that small ball, he kind of has to give up that. I feel like he has to give up the that identity of being a three-point shooter because I've noticed that he does take um, threes that aren't high percentage threes, that aren't really the shot that he should be taking. Makes he, some of them, but you're right. that He takes a lot of super contested threes. Right, and maybe, you know, that position of him being a cutter and being that baseline runner and being the lob threat is his more natural position and where he should be in this offensive scheme. So I would like to see, you know, something something that's going to change my mind for the next two games. He's a tremendous athlete. And I like what you said about Will. I mean, they have gotten him more off-ball threes this year. And, and, you know, to his credit, like, they're in and out. A A lot of them are not bad misses. Um, but there's nothing off screens really. And they don't, you know, as a team, and I know they played some, they play against some zones. Um, but as a team, like they don't tend to run a ton of pick and roll. I know that some of that's personnel based and like they, they were playing against the zone against USC, but they weren't putting, they weren't able to get the ball to the middle much. And then another thing Eric Williams did is he went to the middle and he had, I want to say two or three plays where he just caught it, turned quick little, um, you know, they called a jumper, but he was right there, basically a floater, right? Um, and, and it was just surprising that they couldn't really get the ball. They've had trouble getting the ball in the post too. So I'm just, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what it is. I'm curious what you guys think um, just for Washington, Washington State. Like what are your predictions for those two games? Um, I think they win. I think they're both wins. I think the game against USC is really going to provide some motivation. I think the win against Washington 
which is going to be here on the third. I think you're going to see, uh, I think they're going to win pretty handily. I think you're looking at maybe like 10, 15 points. I think they're going to be definitely motivated. And then Washington State, I think you're getting into some dangerous territory. They only beat them by three before the Arizona State game. Um, and, you know, I've worried with this team, especially I think you saw it before the Arizona game, kind of looking past some opponents. So I think their eyes are going to be on the tournament. You know, what's happening with UCLA right now? They're, what's happening with Colorado? We have them coming up. Uh, I think they win it, but that one is probably going to be a little closer. Carlos, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think the Washington State game is definitely going to be the closer out of the two, um, especially the way that, you know, we played Washington previously. And it was kind of more like it was it was a pretty dominant performance against Washington. And I think we have the upper hand when you're stacking up personnel wise against Washington. You know, they kind of run through one single score and they kind of have their offensive scheme find out found out. Um, so. You know, there is that idea of possibly going 1-1 against these two teams, which is not ideal. And if there was the one to drop, it's going to be the Washington State. But the hope is that the, you know, we've talked about it time and time again, is that this team is notorious for bouncing back after big losses and bouncing back and kind of finding finding a new identity each time they get knocked down. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do come out and finish 2-0. And because there is, like you said, you know, they they might be thinking past these two teams, which they shouldn't do, but these two teams do have implications on tournament and you're going to want to avoid a team like Arizona when you're going into the tournament. You're going to want to avoid them unless you're looking forward to like a championship game. You know, that's maybe a team you want to think about later on down the road, but you don't want to face them in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to zag. I actually think they're going to drop one of these. I just have no faith. I, I've watched this team all season. I've covered them. I've heard them talk. And I I really at this point have to see to believe it. I've been giving Altman a lot of credit, um, rightfully so. I don't know. I, I think they're going to, like you said, they look, ahead to, they look ahead to the big games. The tournament's looming. They could go one and one and then win the damn tournament. Who knows? I just, I just don't. Every time I think I figured this team out, they completely, you know, throw a wrench in that for me. I mean, the Arizona State game on the road was an excellent example. You know, you lose by one USC, right? Whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It could be either one. Um, Washington's playing better of late. Washington State's been feisty. Um, a lot of guards on both those teams that can score. Again, I just, they totally could win. Don't get me wrong. They should win both. I, I just don't know if I have faith at this point. I get what you mean. I mean, I was devil, devil's uh, advocate last episode. This guy's the cheerleader over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll right, be interesting. Yeah. All right. Women's segment time. We're a little backwards this episode, but that's all right. Uh, the women's regular season has come to a close officially. Uh, the Ducks faced yet another road loss to Colorado, who beat them 86 to 83. Uh, but then they, uh, they rebounded and closed the season off on a positive note, beating the Utah Utes 73 to 65. As it sits right now, the Ducks are the number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament and are slated to face the winner of USC and UCLA on Thursday in Vegas, baby. And that'll be televised on Pac-12 Network. Carlos, before we get into our tourney predictions, which we're going to do at the end of this episode, what are your thoughts on how the Ducks closed out the season? Yeah, I I mean, we talked about, like, I even said, if if there's one to drop, it's good. It's going to be, uh, you know, like, it, I would prefer Utah because Colorado, I mean, excuse me, yes, Colorado they haven't seen. 
Um, so that was kind of like one of those weird games. But I mean, the Colorado game went into, I believe, triple overtime. Yeah. So that was an, an incredible, it was a dogfight. They actually, like, it was so close that it could have went either way. But it was okay because it was a team that we haven't seen before. Um, they actually played really well. And, you know, I, I just take that one as, a, you know, it's just a minor, minor bump, but it's okay. We secured that number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament, which is something that I kind of predicted already. Arizona's, Arizona's playing Arizona yeah. right now. You know, their, their two basketball programs have been incredible. So, um, I mean, excuse me, Stanford, mm. but also Arizona has been playing well, but Stanford, um, has been playing lights out. So like I kind of figured they would take that number, number one. So it was great that we took care of that number two. And then Utah, you know, finishing off strong. That's really big when you're going into the pro, like going into the tournament, you kind of gain that confidence of, you know, working out the kinks and going in with a little bit of a hot hand, especially as a number two seed, you get that buy. So you get that first day off while the other teams kind of play out, play it out. So you kind of get that time to see who you're going to play. And I thought the you know, the women's team is starting to come together. Um, we mentioned with the men's team is that like they, their identity, where's their identity at? But the women's team is the complete opposite. They have their identity. They have who their offense is going to go through. And then they have players who know their role and going into the tournament and going in um, to the, you know, going into the Pac-12 tournament, I think it's, we're in a great position to really win the whole thing. I very we'll get into our predictions but it was a great uh great showing out of our out of our players and especially you know Sabali we can't touch enough on her of how much she's been playing out of her mind and kind of really playing well um and then we you know Rogers in the Colorado game 28 points you know played one of the best games of her of her night and you know they did come up short but like her offensive scoring put them in the position that they did or that they were in to, I mean, triple overtime. That's that's a hard-fought game. And that is a lot of minutes playing, like playing basketball mm. for that long. That is taxing on the body. It really is. And we talked about it last week. Good losses. This was another good loss. I know that's a huge oxymoron, but, you know, it was kind of a weird one. We know the Ducks have had their fair share of struggles on the road this year, uh, but it wasn't for lack of offense. You know, like you said, Rogers popped off for 28, Sabali another double double with 22 points and 11 boards that's got to be like it's probably in double digits with her double doubles now the way she's been playing and elise hurst with 12 off the bench um was exceptional but i think you can chalk this one up to just impeccable shooting for colorado they've been hot lately they've they're six for one in their last seven five players scored in double digits and they shot 45 percent from the floor which when you're into triple overtime that you know that margin widens so to get 45 for that many minutes that's damn good and they also got a lead early which forced the ducks to play catch up a little bit the entire second half got them to overtime couldn't quite close it uh but then they went to utah completed that sweep perfect way to end the season it was a great team win every starter scored in double digits and that's what we've been asking for is that the the role players and the people that are coming off of the bench kind of step up and play to their potential um, so, you know, touching them back on the Colorado game, that was, you know, we kind of 
talked about going into that, that like we don't really know what we're going into, especially on the road. We kind of talked about playing on the road has been a little difficult for this team and going into Colorado, not seeing them before. And like you said, they're six and one in their past seven games, including the win over the over Oregon. It's that was a tough matchup. And we really hung in there and we fought we fought hard and we showed resilience. But having those players step up and kind of play into their potential. And then Utah, um, yeah, like you said, a, a team win. Just just a great way to kind of come together. Um, similar to like the men's team. I hate to compare them as much as I do, but they they know how to bounce back. You know, they they come back off of like a tough loss and really come together as a team. And that's what I love the most about this women's team is that they come back together. They really come together as a team and play well the second time around, the second game after a loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you said uh, playing to their potential because far too many times this season, I feel like it's been Sobley, Rogers, and then no one else offensively, you know, but... Uh, I'm seeing less of that. Sydney Parrish actually led the scoring with 18. That's awesome. When you have other of your role players contributing, uh, there's no one that can beat this team except maybe like Stanford. Uh, but the defense came back really strong after having Colorado tear him up a little bit for 86. Uh, and all the scoring came from Utah forward Jenna Johnson, who scored 27 accounted for 41% of Utah's points. Uh, probably won't duplicate that again so it's good to see that the ducks kind of isolated her and and took away the rest of the team but it makes me very comfortable going into the tourney and i think the ducks are definitely poised to make a run if they continue to play as a team get the role players involved play off the bench they had i believe it was the utah game um Sobley and sedona prince in the starting lineup that's like the first time we've seen that no uh no I know I'm shaking my head yes yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to like uh, no uh, no yeah um no yeah and we've been talking about like where's the where's the you know throwing a a big lineup let's let's see what this lineup can do let's let's try some new things um especially with the I mean I kind of want to take back what I said about like trying like let's try some new things because I mean you're at the point in the season where it's tournament time yeah you, you don't, don't really change up too much right right you don't really want to change too much but I mean I don't know. I mean, definitely not in the Pac-12 tournament when you're playing all these teams that you've already faced before. Yeah. But it's good to have flexibility when you get into the NCAA tournament, which I believe they will. 25 uh, second in the Pac-12. Uh, anyways, didn't mean to cut you off there. Continue. No, no, you're, you're totally fine. I just, I'm excited to, I'm excited to see them play. Um, I'm excited to see them play in in the tournament because I feel like that they, you know, this is, they do well. Like, it, minus the... The Arizona game, which was kind of like a really tough one, um, but they—I feel like they play well in these big these big moments, and it's like it's awesome to see. And I'm excited to see how they perform in the tournament because this is a really big, really big opportunity for them, and it's a big, it's a big moment. Like the Pac-12 tournament is a big moment. They're more than likely gonna just get the bid already to the national tournament, but you don't want to just like. You know, you have teams in here that are na nationally ranked and top ranked teams that you can knock them down a few rankings and you can make an impact on the overall tournament itself with a couple wins through this tournament. 
Yeah, well, they've beaten other teams like UConn pretty handily. So, I mean, definitely they can run with the Bulls. Uh, if there's one thing that concerns me, it's uh, playing on the road. The tournament is going to be in Vegas. They're not here. We've seen them struggle a little bit. They dropped those a few weeks ago at Arizona, both Arizona schools, bam, bam. Uh, so, but I mean, like you said, they play well in big moments. Uh, everybody's on the road here. It's not like it's just the Ducks. So, I mean, I think... I mean, I just want to get into this bracket. Are you ready? Yeah. I think we yeah. should dive in. Uh, we have our Pac-12 tournament brackets, um, the seeding right now. Number one, Stanford. Number two, Oregon. Number three, Washington State. Number four, Arizona. Those are the teams that get the bye weeks. Uh, and then you have Colorado versus Washington, OSU versus Arizona State, UCLA, USC, and Utah, Cal, uh, all of whom play on Wednesday the 2nd. This episode will probably be out Thursday, so... We'll see how accurate we are. Yeah. I get we're kind of setting <laughs> it's risky what we're doing here. Yeah. I mean, this is but it's what our what our bread and butter is here. We've we've been doing this the whole time. We do our predictions and then the duck they usually both teams go and play a game or two and then the episode comes out and we have to look back and listen to what we say and you know, we <laughs> well, get a, we get to be, you know, yeah, we get to be constructive criticism. Tellers. Yeah, yeah, constructive uh, criticism. yeah. But huge disclaimer, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> um, let's get right into this. Colorado, Washington. Who you got? Uh, I'm gonna go Colorado. Um, they definitely showed me a lot against Oregon. Um, and they also have been on a tear. And I want to just say Colorado, right off the back is the sleeper team in this. I mean, they're Glad the five seed, so Glad they're not said. like like a complete sleeper. But well, I'll, I'll get deeper into these predictions. Mm, but I can't wait. Colorado is definitely a team I'm looking for a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm rolling with the Buffaloes as well. You said it. They're on an absolute tear right now. And Washington is the worst team in the Pac-12. They're the 12th seed. And they only have two conference wins. So this really isn't a contest for me. I think Colorado wins pretty handily. And I think they move on to the next game uh beavers sun devils who you got here i hate to say it but oregon state they um you know their players are playing they have great players on their team um they don't really have the you know the best record they did split the series against us um but they have really they have good scores they have uh players who can get buckets from really anywhere um so i'm gonna go oregon state uh, our first, our first uh, different picks. All right, I'm going with the Sun Devils here. Uh, they started off okay. They're on a six-game losing streak right now, so kind of down in the dumps. But all of those games have been within single digits, and I think going into the tournament is an opportunity to kind of find their bearings a little bit. And definitely not a bias pick. I'm not projecting at all here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with the Sun Devils with the first upset. I think they move on. I like it. I like your style. And that one's a toss-up. You know, those are mm -hmm. two teams that are very similar uh, record-wise as well and kind of uh, style-wise. They kind of mimic each other. But I I like it. I, I like I like your choice there. We'll see. Uh, UCLA, USC. The battle of the LA teams. Um, I'm not a number chaser here. Um, so if you're listening to this and you think I'm just picking higher seeds, you're wrong. Boring. <laughs> Uh, boring yeah but uh so you go with the bruins i assume i wanted to but oh i wanted to 
but I think USC might what? get this upset here. I think this is wow. this is my upset of the first round. Um, I think USC is going to come out on top. They got a lot to prove. They this is their chance to really get back. They, they the battle of LA is always so exciting mm-hmm. to me because that's those two teams are like. I mean, what more do I got to say? It's a battle for LA. Exactly. And they get to see each other again in the first round. I think USC gets them. I think this is, uh, I'm going to go USC here. I'm going to differentiate again here and go with the favorite in UCLA. Uh, they're kind of off two straight wins against the Arizona schools. Arizona, who's the fourth seed, which is a pretty big win for them. And USC, I was looking at their schedule. They really haven't had a meaningful win all season. All their wins have been against bad teams. So I think UCLA, you know, I don't, I haven't watched a ton of either of these teams. Um, but I'm going to go with the favorite. I'm going to play it safe and take the Bruins. This is the chance for them to have a meaningful win. I mean, I hate to try to, like, get you to understand why yeah, I made my trying pick. To sway but, me uh, yeah, I'm trying to sway you. But, like, this is their chance to really make it, you know, this is their chance to have an impactful win on their record. Well, we'll see. It's tournament time. Anything can happen, right? Correct. Uh, Utah Cal. This one's pretty easy for me. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with you. Yeah. Um, I believe you're going to choose Cal. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Utah, they just came off a tough loss to Oregon. Um, they're still, you know, they're still a good team. They have young players who really play with heart, um, and I think they're that's a, that's a, a splash that they're going to make right there is is winning that first game. Yeah, you were saying Colorado was your sleeper team. Yeah, I think Utah's mine. I really like them offensively. I think they have great balance, good front court. Gianna Neepkins, great player at guard. Uh, and I just don't think Cal can score with them. I think Cal's going to have to put up like 60 some odd points. Yeah. And I don't think they have that capability. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Utah. Utah knows how to turn it on. They sure. they know how to really like create runs when it matters. They played Oregon very tough. Yes. And both times we've seen them. They've been close games. So, yeah, I'm excited to see that. Uh, and then that takes us to round two to kick it off. One of, I think the games I'm looking forward to the most if it happens. Colorado, Arizona. Yeah, I'm going Colorado again. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah, I'm going Colorado again. This team is hot, and I'm going with the hot hand. Yeah. And I think that they've started to find their groove and at the right time into the tournament. So I'm going to go Colorado with the with the upset of Arizona, over Arizona. I wanted to. I debated this one for a long time, but... It's a very tough pick, but I think Colorado's magical run ends here. Uh, Arizona, after a much-needed buy, I think takes care of business. I think for I know they've they've kind of fallen off a little bit at the end here. They've had some losses, but the stakes are just too high for them to drop this one. I don't think they do it. I think they win in a very close game. So you're going Arizona. I'm going Zona. Yeah. All right. Wildcats. Uh, ASU Stanford, or oh. I guess for you it would be Oregon State Stanford. Yeah. And I'm going in-state. Again, another joke. I'm going Stanford. This yeah. team is way too good. This team is, I mean, if, you, if you've if you seen them play, which we have, they're they're elite for a reason. Yeah. They're, they're definitely a, a top team. Yeah, I don't think it matters which team comes out of OSU, Arizona State. I think Stanford's going to boat race whoever it is. I really don't see anybody beating this team. I hate to project and, and show my hand, but Stanford is the real deal. Uh, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the nation. So, yeah, I'm going with the Cardinal. Which takes us to uh, winner of UCLA-USC versus Oregon. For me, it's UCLA. You got USC. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Yeah. 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 USC. <laughs> <laughs> Oregon, so, baby. Of course, we're going with the Ducks. Come Let's on. Let's go. 
rolling with the quack. Quack attack. Uh, yeah, I don't think we really need to elaborate here, right? Right. Um, on to the next, the Utah-Washington State. Again, I'm going to go upset. I think Utah comes out on top again. I agree. And sets up another great uh, third-round matchup. I have Utah as well. This is going to be a very close one. Uh, Wazoo is really difficult to predict. I don't know what I'm going to get. They'll beat Arizona, and then they'll get blown out by the Ducks by like 50 points. Right. Um, so I just don't know. And I, I do like Utah. I think they're a sleeper team. So I don't. I mean, I don't know what to expect from the Cougars. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. They ended the season well, but I got the Utes. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, so our final four is the same, right? Arizona, Stanford, and Oregon, Utah. How does that shape up? Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, you can only, like I oh, said. Oh, no, you had Colorado, sorry. Yeah, 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 Colorado. Um, You know, for me, I think because Stanford is so good um, and Colorado, you know, you can only stay hot for so long. Um, I'm still going to, I'm going to go with Stanford here. I think that Colorado's uh, run ends in this semifinal game, um, but it's gonna. I if this is right and this happens, this is gonna be an incredible game to watch. Yeah, Arizona too. I mean, if they get through it, but I just I don't see Stanford losing. They're playing at an unreal level. Uh, I don't think it'll. I don't think either one will be a blowout. But I mean, Stanford won the tourney last year, and they're posed to to repeat it. Uh, but Ducks, Utah, this is like the third time they're yeah. facing. I got the Ducks again. Of course. I think we have their number, and I think we have them, you know, we, we've seen them enough times. And we've, you know, after the first game where it got really close and then seeing them win on the road in Utah, yeah, I think we've weathered the weathered the storm when it comes to them that we know that they can get hot at any moment and that we kind of have their number when it comes to to personnel definitely and the ducks are seasoned you got niara sabali and sedona prince and Andy rogers all upperclassmen utah gianna neepkins their primary scoring option is a freshman so this is a big stage for her uh and i think oregon's experience is going to show here and like you said they beat them twice before and i think they get it done which leads us to stanford oregon for the championship game and what are you thinking? And just because we're on this podcast and we're doing this for the University of Oregon, it's no bias here. here. But I'm going with Oregon here. I think we have a lot to prove. Like we've had the entire season, we've had a lot to kind of a lot to work through. And I think we've kind of found where we are. Like I said in the beginning, I think we found our identity, and I think we have the opportunity to actually knock off Stanford. Because they're gonna be riding this this high, you know. Stanford is has been riding this wave of like almost nobody can touch them, and I think it's time that they get knocked down. And like you said, we have some um, upperclassmen that kind of have a like you know this is gonna be their last chance in this tournament, and this is the time to like really show out. And I'm excited to see you know how they respond to this big moment this is a huge moment and i think they're gonna respond well i see it i do uh stanford hasn't lost a single game in conference thus far um they only beat the ducks by four and 
I had Stanford before we started this podcast, but you've convinced me. I'm going with the Ducks. Let's go. I cross out this name right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's any team that's going to be Stanford, I think it's the Ducks. And I just, to run the table on the conference is just insane if they do it. Um, and it's almost I- like... Like not actually, but it's funny, like in a in a comical way, like almost disrespectful. Like you can't just yeah. go through an entire season and not lose in the conference. Like it's like a you, glitch in the simulation. Yeah, you yeah. can't do that. The ones and the zeros don't match up <laughs> like that. This is the time you lose, and you lose to the team who I think is going to be the Pac-12 champion, and that is the University of Oregon. The Oregon Ducks. I agree. Uh, couldn't be more excited. Uh, dates again, Wednesday. Uh, hopefully you watch it. We can't be there to tell you because this episode won't be out until Thursday. But Thursday is when the semis happen. Then you have, or sorry, quarterfinals, I guess, technically. Um, semis on Friday, March 4th. And then Sunday, March 6th, you're going to have the, the title game. So all of them will be televised on Pac-12 and the championship will be on ESPN too. So go watch. This is major this is big stuff right here yeah most definitely and we appreciate you listeners tuning in as always and we're excited to touch back after this tournament or excuse me after the tournament yes yes deuces